You are my everything. I will adore you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was in living is to come. With all creation I sing, praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, I will adore you. Holy, 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 it's the Lord God in my feet. God creation I sing, praise to the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Got the little baby saying amen up in here. Okay. Amen. And just one more song I want to do. And. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing. Our overcome by your presence, It's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're all in Tasted and seen of the sweetness of love. My heart becomes free and my shame is unfair. Your presence Oh, oh, oh. 
into praise and worship today through the prayer. I hope everybody felt the spirit of God. Hallelujah. It's always good to just bring him in through singing this song. And so, we'd love to do another one, but we're pressed for the time now. So, we're just going to go right into the sermon. Thanks. Yes, Hallelujah. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise and worship was wonderful. We're going to go ahead and go into the sermon. But first, we're in our last sermon. We were looking at the book of Revelation. We were in part four, and we left off at Revelation 11. Um, the end of Revelation 11 with that final trumpet being blown, and the church, the body, being raptured up. Okay, and so 
Um, we're going to go back into that and finish um, Revelation 11 and go right into um, Revelation 13. Okay, which continues um, the unfolding of events in Revelation. The, we're going to go back to a scripture that Jesus led us to. We're going to go to, we're going to start off with Zechariah 14. So Zechariah 14, 3 through 17. We're going to read. In Zechariah 14, 3 through 17, it says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations. Okay? Zechariah 14, 3 through 17. He's going to go against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. So remember, Jesus prayed on the Mount of Olives when he was here on the earth. Um, he walked to the Mount of Olives with, with the disciples. That's also um, one of the gardens on the Mount of Olives. is also where he was um, he was caught and taken away um, when Judas led the, um, the Roman soldiers to take him away and, the, and the, um, the soldiers from the temple soldiers there to take him away um, for him to be crucified. So all of these, he, it, it, the, the Mount of Olives is very significant. And so it says that it's going it, to, when he lands on it, it's going to split in the middle and it's going to split toward the, um, the east and toward the west and there's going to be a great valley created in between it because of that and, and then it says and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south so line five it says and ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto azal yea ye shall flee he needs more stuff ye shall flee like as he fled from before the earthquake in the days of uziah king of judah and the lord my god shall come and all the saints with thee so now we're in Line 6 of Zechariah 14. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. So this is the first time um, Jesus is coming to the earth. Okay, and it says that when that happens, when he lands on the Mount of Olives, it says... That it will, when he lands, it'll either be uh, nighttime or daytime. So during the day, it's gonna be like it's um, it's it's like a, like a dim light, okay. And then at evening time, it, it's gonna be light, so it won't it won't grow dark. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea, in summer. And in winter shall it be. Okay, and we're going to go back to that about the living waters going up to the hinder sea. So when we're, when we're talking about the hinder sea, we're talking about the Dead Sea and the, um, I think it's the, what is it? The, uh, the Baltic, is it the Baltic Sea? I think it's the Baltic, not sure if it's the Baltic, not sure if it's the Baltic Sea or not. Let me see here. I could be wrong. Let me see here. My, my map in the back of my Bible because I think it is the Baltic Sea. Shh, man, you're too loud, buddy. I think it's the Baltic Sea. See? The Baltic Sea. I think that's what it is. Let's see here. 
So the hinder C and the former C, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it is the, the Baltic C. But we can go back and look at it in a little bit. I can't seem to find it in this Bible. Do you have a map on yours? Yeah. All right, so we're going to keep moving. So it says, Half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. So in summer and winter, it's not going to change. The, the landscape's not going to change. The season's not going to change. And so it says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. So we're all going to know Jesus by one name. And all the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Remon, south of Jerusalem. And it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place. From Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananil... Unto the king's wine presses. And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction. But Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. So Jerusalem's going to be safe because of the presence of Jesus. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. And their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. And it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them, and they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. So we read this before about the confusion, about, about the armies attacking each other. They're going to go attack Jerusalem, but they're hit, being hit with confusion. So now they're confused and attacking each other. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. Okay? And so shall be the plague of the horse, of the mule, and of the camel, and of the ass, and of the, all the beasts that shall be in these tents at, as this plague. So Judah is also gathering all of the, the, the gold and the spoil from those nations who are defeated. Okay? And then this, this plague also hits all the horses and all the tools of the, the nations that attack Jerusalem. And so shall be the plague of the horse and the mule. Okay, so go on to line 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. Okay? And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. So anybody that doesn't come up is not going to have any rain. They're going to have no rain. Okay, and so we're going to remember this about these armies being hit with confusion. So Jesus led us back to Zechariah 8. We're going to look at Zechariah 8 again, like how we read it in the last sermon. Zechariah 8, 20 through 23. That's the next page over. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, It shall yet come to pass that there shall come people and the inhabitants of many cities, the same thing, coming to, to, to Jerusalem to worship. And the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts, 
I will go also. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Okay? You guys following along? Okay. So now we're going to go, um, Jesus led us back to um, Ezekiel 38. We're going to read in Ezekiel 38. Okay, and just remember um, what we just read um, in Zechariah 8 and in um, Zechariah 14 about that confusion. Because this is going to, um, we're going to read this again in Ezekiel 38. Okay, Ezekiel 38, 17 through 23. Thus saith the Lord God. Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. And so Gog, we know Gog and Magog are the northern countries, Russia and Ukraine, that area, those northern countries, that is Gog and Magog. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. That's the same confusion um, that Jesus said he was going to put everybody um, in the armies that attacked Jerusalem in, in Zechariah 14. Okay, When it says that um, they shall lay hold everyone on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. So it's the same thing. Okay? I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. It's the same thing, okay? And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him, and overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. So those are all, if you notice, those are even all the same plagues that um, he hit Egypt with. So it's, just, it's some of the same stuff. And of course, um, when we were reading in Zechariah 14, he said that it would hit all of the beasts, everyone, all of the um, the tools that um, that um, the army was were, was using. And this is why he is saying he's saying um, the pestilence, okay? The pestilence. He's going to hit the whole army with the pestilence upon his band and upon the many people that are with him, and overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstones. Thus I will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And so this is some of the processes of how Jesus is going to make himself known to everyone, because nobody's going to be able to deny it. Okay? And so um, the next um, scripture Jesus led us to is Ezekiel 39, and we didn't read this one yet. Okay? And so this is... Um, this is a, a very interesting scripture because Jesus led us here, and this is this this gives us the um, the reason behind um, why we know 
that the 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 um, tribulation, the great tribulation period, is for seven years. Okay, and so we're gonna we're gonna read why we know that. We're gonna read it here. Okay, Ezekiel thirty nine. Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord God: Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Okay, Meshach and Tubal, Ashkenaz and Togorma. These were all the early families that settled in Russia and Ukraine. I mentioned before about um, uh, Putin and what that is. This that is Gog. The, these are these are the, the heads of the armies that will come against Jerusalem in time. Okay, and so going in line two in Ezekiel thirty-nine. And I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. Okay, so there it is again. He's going to bring him up from the north parts, that's the northern countries, and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and all the people that is with thee. That means the whole army and everyone that is with them. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. And I will send, fire, send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles of the islands, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, or the middle of my people Israel. And I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of, in Israel. Behold, it is come and it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I have spoken. Okay, and so this is part of that day of the Lord. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows and the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. Okay, I'm going to read it again. He says, Behold, it is come and it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I have spoken. That's the day of the Lord. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows and the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. So they're burning. They're burning all the weapons of Gog and Magog for seven years. Okay? And we're going to go further into that because they actually are um, also burying um, all of the armies of Gog and Magog that are destroyed. Uh, and so that, so that says after that that they're, they're going to burn them with fire seven years, the, the, all the weapons. Line 10 says, So that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forest, for they shall burn the weapons with fire. And they shall spoil those that spoiled them, and rob those that robbed them, saith the Lord God. We read a similar thing in Isaiah 14 about um, taking into captivity those who um, took us into captivity. Uh, okay, And so then in line 11 it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, 
the valley of passengers on the east of the sea, and it shall stop the noses of the passengers. That means that it stinks because it, 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 the, the bodies are, are rotting. Okay, so it's going to stop the noses of the passengers, and there shall they bury Gog and all his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of Haman Gog. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them, that they may cleanse the land. Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be to them a, ren a renown the day that thou shalt be glorified, saith the Lord God. And they shall sever out men of continual employment passing through the land to bury with the passengers those that remain upon the face of the earth to cleanse it. After the end of seven months shall they search. So they're, they're burying these, these bodies, these people to, um, to cleanse the land. Okay. And the passengers that pass through the land, when any seeth a man's bone, then shall he set up a sign by it, till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Haman Gog. So they're supposed to report it. They're supposed to mark it. And also the name of the city shall be Hamona. Thus shall they cleanse the land. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come. Gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that ye may eat flesh and drink blood. So the animals come and they're, they're actually going to get rid of all of the, of the rotting flesh. They're going to get rid of all of that stuff. Ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty and the drink the blood of the princes of the earth. Of rams, of lambs, and of goats, of bullocks, and all of them fatlings of Bashan. And ye shall eat fat till ye be full, and drink blood till ye be drunken. Of my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you. Thus ye shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with mighty men, with all men of war, saith the Lord God. And I will set my glory among the heathen. And all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed, and my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. And the heathen shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, because they trespassed against me. Therefore hid I my face from them, and gave them into the hand of their enemies, so they all so fell they all by the sword. Okay? So He's saying here he's gonna he, he's gonna make it known like that Israel went into captivity because of what they did, okay, and so he's gonna let the um, the other nations know that because of um, them attacking um, Israel, okay, and being amongst um, the enemies, um, he is also going to to um, attack the enemies of Israel while um, humbling Israel themselves, okay? It says, And according to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, have I done unto them and hid my face from them. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel and will be jealous for my holy name. After that they have borne their shame and all their trespasses whereby they have trespassed against me. When they dwelt safely in their land and none made them afraid. When I have brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. And so he's saying here, once he does that, then we know for sure who we are. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them into their own 
unto their own land and have left none of them any more there. Neither will I hide my face any more from them. For I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. Okay. Um, now Jesus led us back to Revelation 11. Okay. And this is everything to do with this whole time period of the, of the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled. We mentioned that also in the last sermon. So we're going to read Revelation 11, just um, lines 1 and 2. Okay. Is everybody still uh, with me? Okay. So we're gonna go to we're gonna go to Revelation eleven, lines one and two, that's where Jesus led us to. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein or them that worship inside but the court which is without or outside of the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months so remember we read in here that um in ezekiel 39 <clears throat> that they were going to be uh, burning and burying the um the weapons and the bodies for seven years okay so now when we go back to um to Revelation 11 and we read that again, okay, the holy city shall they tread underfoot 40 and 2 months, that's 4 years. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. Remember we read last sermon about the two witnesses. I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand 203 score days clothed in sackcloth. Okay? That's 3 years. So 4 plus 7, that's another 7 years. That is the time period of the great tribulation okay this is how we know that the great tribulation um is seven years okay and so what we're going to go into next is this before this period again there is a there is a um and we just read it in ezekiel um before and we read it in the last sermon about the um the rapture okay and the rapture um right before the rapture <coughs> comes and jesus lands on that um that uh on the mount of olives we are led back as israelites as the hebrew people back to jerusalem in the second exodus just like in the first exodus and so in the first exodus um they were people that decided to listen to God, decided to listen to Moses, and held themselves close to the Hebrew people to do the same thing with the other nations. They are supposed to come come with us, and only um, if they are dedicated, if they have left those things behind, they need to leave behind, just like we are all supposed to leave those certain things behind, okay? Just like Cornelius, um, just like the Samaritan woman, um, they were from the other, some of the other nations, okay? And Jesus um, talked about that specifically um, when he talked about um, the Samaritan woman and the woman that was asking um, also for healing. Um, and he said that um, you don't cast your, 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 your bread to the, to the dogs. And then she responded, the lady that asked for healing, she, she responded by saying, um, we, we, even the dogs eat the crumbs, okay? 
And so Jesus came to save everyone. He wants everyone to be saved. And so um, keeping that in mind, um, we're going to go back to um, Jesus led us. Jesus led us back to Revelation 7. Revelation 7. And we're going to read lines 13 through 17. Okay. Which talks a little bit about this. Okay. This is the the um, 144,000 being sealed. Okay. Revelation 7, 13 through 17 says, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, and he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Okay? And so, I, I want to focus on that. We, we, we talked a little bit about this the last time, that when it says that he shall, um, on the one on the throne, Jesus, will dwell among them. Okay? Um, if it was in heaven, it would say we we will dwell among him. Okay, so it is on earth, and he, he is saying that the throne shall dwell among them. Okay, so there's this we just read in Zechariah about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus coming, Jesus coming back, and leading the people back into Jerusalem, and another temple, this other this this temple being founded again. Okay. And so it says, therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Okay, and so... Look at that that um, that those that, that living fountain of waters. We're going to come come back to that, um, which is also something that we read about. Um, also in Zechariah, we read about that that that, um, that those living waters. Okay. All right. So um, the great multitude, having the twelve tribes of Israel, and um, a multitude from all the other nations. Okay. It, um, it, it, it talks about this here, that um, those who have, have washed themselves, okay? So the, the multitude is, is people from all nations, okay? From all nations as well. And so we're going to go to Romans 2. Jesus led us to Romans 2, Romans 2, 7 through 11. Romans 2, 7 through 11. To them who be who by patient continuance and well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Okay, so Jesus always says he says he will he will he will um, judge his people first. He will judge. The Jews first, and then the Gentiles. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. Okay? That's what it says. For there is no respect of persons with God. And we, we hear that all throughout the Bible. We hear that, that. That Jesus says, he says that God, there's no respect of persons with him. 
So Jesus led us up to Revelation, um, I'm sorry, not Revelation, Romans 11, 14 through 25. Romans 11. Romans 11. You guys want to follow along? Follow along with us? Okay. It, it, it helped. Okay, Romans 11, 14 through 25. This is what Romans 11 says. Romans 11, 14 through 25 says, If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Why is, um, and we act, we got to ask ourselves, why is Paul saying this? Okay, because the Jew, the Jew, the, the people that are, that are Jews, we are supposed to be the example. This is why he says, If by any means I may provoke to emulation, them which are my flesh, okay, his children. Okay, he's, he's using this as an example of what God is um, wants us to do, and of course, what we are supposed to do because we are supposed to walk after the example of Jesus. Okay, we are of of Him. Okay, we are of of God. We are children of God. We are supposed to um to 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 walk in His example, and we are supposed to be the be the example um, for the rest of the world. Once we become children, once we are born anew, we all are, are brought into that, into into also into Israel as well too. Even those who are not of the of the bloodline of that of that um, particular family also are grafted in. So we're going to read about that right here in um, Romans 11. This is this is um, the particular scripture that talks about that. Okay. Uh, okay. So. Um, if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them for if the casting away of them be re the reconciling of the world what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead okay for if the first fruits the first fruit be holy the lump is also holy and if the root be holy so are the branches okay so that means the early church of the early church was considered holy, then that means we are, are considered holy, but we're supposed to continue to walk in it. Okay? Um, okay, and then line 17. And if the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, wert graft in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Okay? That, that, um, those branches that were broken off were the Israelites. Remember Paul said that he, he, he said, I now turn to the Gentiles. Okay? And then when he, when he started, um, baptizing and um, preaching and witnessing to the Gentiles that was what happened when um, that was when it happened this is when the Gentiles and the rest of the world was grafted in to these promises of course Jesus did that um, on the cross but it was it was beginning to take fruition visually and physically um, when Paul said I, I now turn to the Gentiles and they were um, receiving the Holy Spirit okay Thou will say then the branches. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going. I'm, I'm skipping up. Line 17. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, word graft in among them. Okay, the wild olive tree of the Gentiles and the rest of the nations, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree of the of the, the olive tree itself. That's Jesus. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root. Okay, but the root thee. Okay. That that root that tree is Jesus, okay, and those 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 um that that part of that olive tree and that olive is um, Israel, okay. Our root is Jesus. Thou will say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, 
okay? And thou standest by faith. You stand by faith, okay? Jesus asks us to, to, to have faith, okay? By your faith, you are healed. Be not high-minded, but fear, okay? We're not supposed to say, well, I'm, I'm this or I'm that, and, and, and I'm an, I, because of that, I'm important. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, that's Israel, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. So we're supposed to continue in the example that Jesus set, in the example of holiness, in the example of that sermon on the mount. Okay? And they also, if they abide or stay, not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in or grafted in for God is able to graft them in again okay he's talking about Israel for if thou were cut off cut out of the olive tree which is wild by nature and were graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree so that means that Israel if, if they decide to do we all decide to do good and it's not be prideful and to follow in the ways of Jesus like we are all supposed to, it will be that much stronger. Okay. So we're going to go, we're going to go ahead and go to, oh, okay, we got one more line to read. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part is happened to Israel. Okay. That's Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles become. Alright, so we're going we're gonna to finish. We're going to keep going. Um, we're going to look at a couple of things here. So, um, Jesus led us to Ezekiel 40, okay? We're going to go to Ezekiel 40, and we're going to read about those living waters, okay? And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you guys this... Um, those two scriptures that we read earlier that dealt with the living waters. Okay. One of them was one of them was in Zechariah 14. Okay. The one was in Zechariah 14. Okay. And let me find it here. Okay. Zechariah 14, line 8, it says, And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, and half of them toward the hinder sea, in summer and in winter shall it be. So that, that is the, the, the waters going out toward the hinder sea and the former sea. And of course, in Revelation 7, at the end of um, Revelation 7, it says, um, The one that sits on the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Of course, um, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit being that fountains of living water, but it's, there's also a literal example of this, and we're about to read it right now in Ezekiel 40. Okay, Jesus led us to Ezekiel 40 to look at this, to examine what that is. Okay, okay, so we're going to start in Ezekiel 40. This is the, the creation of a new temple um, that is to be inhabited for those seven years and into going into this, um, the thousand years of peace. Okay, how we read in Ezekiel, how and um, in and in Zechariah, how um, we would be brought back to this temple, no. and that all of the, all of the um, the nations would come, 
and worship God and celebrate his Feast of Tabernacles in his temple, okay? And of course, in Revelation 7, it says that we, he will dwell amongst us. Where we, will we, he dwell amongst us? In this new temple, okay? And so we're going to read about it here in Ezekiel 40. Um, it says, In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year, after that the city was smitten in the selfsame day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither, or here. In the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain. Okay, he's in Israel, which was as the frame of a city on the south. And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed. And he stood, he stood in the gate. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes and hear with thine ears and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee for to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought hither. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. And behold, a wall on the outside of the house round about and in the man's hand a measuring reed of six cubits long by the cubit and in hand breadth, so he measured the breadth of the building one reed and the height one reed. Okay, that house is the temple that Jesus is to come to dwell in. And it's a foreshadowing of the New Jerusalem. Okay, and so we're going to go to, Jesus led us to Ezekiel 47, where we're talking about the living waters. This is what, um, what we're looking at. This is the literal example of that those living waters. So Ezekiel 47 we're going to read the whole thing afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house that's the temple and behold waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward for the forefront of the house stood toward the east and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man ha that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. So it's getting deeper and deeper. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters were to the loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then said he unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea. Okay, remember we read in Zechariah the hinder sea, the former sea and the hinder sea? It says here, they go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the water shall be healed. That is the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, right now the Dead Sea is dead. It's dead water. Salt water, nothing can live in it. It says that when those waters drain into the Dead Sea, it's going to return those, those waters into living water. Waters that, 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 can, be, um, that can be lived in by, by fish and, and by organisms. The waters shall be... The water shall be shall be healed. Okay, it's so so right now the 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 high content of that that water is so salty that nothing can live in it. No fish um, can live in that water. Okay, 
And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whether soever the river shall come, shall live, and there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come here, for, or thither, for they shall be healed, okay? And everything shall live whither the river cometh. So there's, there's going to be fish that's going to return to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is going to be restored because it's so salty right now that nothing can live in it. And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaf shall not fade, neither shall the fruit where thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. So that means everywhere that those waters hit, there's going to be an abundance of trees, and it's going to be very, very plentiful, and it's, and it's going to, the fruit is going to grow out of there. It's going to be very, very um, nutritious. Going on to line 13. Thus saith the Lord God, this shall be the border whereby ye shall inherit the land, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portion and portions, and ye shall inherit it, one as well as another, concerning the which I lifted up mine hand to give it unto your fathers. And this land shall fall unto you for an inheritance, and this shall be the border of the land, toward the north sea, from the great sea, the way of Hethlon, as men go to Zadad, Hamath, Baratha, Zibraim, which is the, the between the border of Damascus and the border of Hamath, Hazar Hatakon, which is by the coast of Haran, and the borders of the sea shall be Hazaranan, the border of Damascus, and the north, northward, and the border of Hamath. And this is the north side, and the east side ye shall measure from Haran, and from Damascus, and from Gilead, and from the land of Israel by Jordan, from the border unto the east sea. And this is the east side, and the south side southward from Tamar, even to the waters of Strife and Kadesh. The river to the great sea, and this is the south side southward. The west side also shall be the great sea, from the border till a man come over against Hamath. This is the this is the west side. So shall ye divide this land unto you according to the tribes of Israel. And it shall come to pass that ye shall divide it by lot for an inheritance unto you and to the strangers. Okay, those are the people that come with us from the other nations. This to the strangers that sojourn or travel among you which shall beget children among you, and they shall be unto you as born in the country. So they're side by side with us. This is what Jesus said for the Jew and the Gentile, the Jew first and the Gentile. They shall be unto you as born in the country. Among the children of Israel, they shall have inheritance with you among the tribes of Israel. And it shall come to pass that in what tribe the strains of sojourner, there shall ye give him his inheritance, saith the Lord God. So every, every stranger... Um, it's going to get every person all the other of all the other nations that are able to come into that city also um, get an inheritance um, with all of us. Okay, and so that that um, hinder sea was that Dead Sea coming out from Jerusalem, and that um, that Great Sea in front is the Mediterranean, I'm sorry, it's the Mediterranean Sea. Not the Baltic, but the Mediterranean Sea. It's the Mediterranean Sea, okay, that's right there um, above Africa, okay, that we uh, we know of now as above Africa and, and right above Egypt. It's the Mediterranean Sea. So the waters are going to go out in a straight line 
to the Mediterranean Sea and straight back um, out of Jerusalem into the Dead Sea. And it's going to purify those salty waters of the Dead Sea, okay? Which, if, if um, you didn't know, were um, made um, dead and salty from the sulfur and the, the fire and the brimstone that was rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, and so <clears throat> Jesus led us um, up to Ezekiel 40. Okay, we're going to go back to Ezekiel 40, and we're going to read lines 16 through 22. Okay, this is talking about um, a little bit about what the temple um, looks like. We're going to go through this quickly. It's not too much. Um, and there were narrow windows to the little chambers and to their posts within the gate round about, and likewise to the arches and windows were round about inward, and upon each post were palm trees. Then brought he me into the outward court. And lo, there were chambers and a pavement made for the court round about. Thirty chambers were upon the pavement, and the pavement by the side of the gates over against the length of the gates was the lower pavement. Then he measured the breadth from the forefront of the lower gate unto the forefront of the inner court without, and a hundred cubits eastward and northward. And the gate of the outward court that looked toward the north, he measured the length thereof and the breadth thereof. And the little chambers thereof were three on this side and three on that side. And the posts thereof and the arches thereof were after the measure of the first gate. The length thereof was fifty cubits, and the breadth five and twenty cubits. Okay? And their windows and their arches and their palm trees were after the measure of the gate. Okay? They were after the measure of the gate that looketh toward the east. And they went up into it by seven steps, and the arches thereof were before them. Okay? And so Miss Rose will catch up a little bit. Um, we we were reading in um, uh, Zechariah 14, um, where where um, it's prophesied that Jesus comes back, and when he comes back, um, he um, splits the uh, Mount of Olives. He, he lands on the Mount of Olives. He splits it in two, and it says in line eight, and, and it says, and it shall be in that day that living water shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea. Okay, that's the Dead Sea, and half of them toward the, the uh, or the, the toward the former sea. That's the Mediterranean, and half of them toward the Hinder Sea behind. That's the um, the Dead Sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. And so we read in Ezekiel uh, forty-seven about those um, living waters. Okay, it says um, in Ezekiel forty-seven line two. It says, "Then he brought me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way." without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward and behold there ran out waters on the right side and when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters the waters were to the ankles and again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters and the waters were to the knees and so it got deeper and deeper and deeper and so we went down um, to line nine in Ezekiel uh, 47 and it says, And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth which cometh whithsoever the water the river shall come shall live, and there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything that shall live whither the river cometh. Okay, and that's the, the, the waters that they're talking about. It's a dead sea. Right now the dead sea is dead because it's salty from the um the fire and brimstone and the sulfur that rained down on, on that sea, um, which Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Okay, and so it's saying here that those waters are going to be healed. Okay, and if we go to um, if we go to um, to line eleven, which um, uh, we went over kind of quickly, it says, "But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed." 
they shall be given the salt. And so they're continued to continue to be salty. So some of the pools that spread outside of um, the Dead Sea, um, they'll, they'll continue to be salty. But the Dead Sea itself, the body of water of the Dead Sea, is going to be healed. And so we were in um, Ezekiel 47 um, reading about this, this new temple. This new temple that that, that um, Zechariah, um, God told Zechariah about that all the nations would come up and worship God and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And if they didn't, um, no, no rain, they would have no rain. And so this is this, the temple that we're, um, we're reading about in Ezekiel um, 47. And I think we stopped about at, um, well, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 40. I'm sorry, Ezekiel 40 is where we were reading at. Ezekiel 40. Um we were at oh line 20 okay and so it says in line 20 it says in the gate of the outward court that looked toward the north he measured the length and the breadth thereof and the little chambers thereof were three on this side and three on that side and the posts thereof and the arches thereof were after the measure of the first gate the length thereof was 50 cubits and the breadth five and 20 cubits and their windows and their arches and their palm trees were after the measure of the gate that looketh toward the east. And they went up in unto it by seven steps, and the arches thereof were before them. Okay, and so we're going we're gonna to continue. We're going to go to lines 40 through 43 in Ezekiel 40. Okay, 40 through 43. And at the side without, as one goeth up to the entry of the north gate, were two tables. And on the other side, which was at the porch of the gate, were two tables. Four tables were on this side and four tables on that side. By the side of the gate, eight tables whereupon they slew their sacrifices, and the four tables were of hewn stone for the burnt offering of, of a cubit and a half long, and a cubit and a half broad, and one cubit high whereupon also they laid the instruments wherewith they slew the burnt offering and the sacrifice. Okay? And within were hooks and hand broad fastened round about, and upon the tables was the flesh of the offering. Okay? So... This is a very this is a very interesting um, scripture because sacrifices are reintroduced in this new temple, and so we ask ourselves, you know, why are sacrifices reintroduced when Jesus was supposed to be um, that final sacrifice, that 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 Passover final Passover lamb? that was slain for all of our sins to cover over all um, sins and for all sacrifices. He was the final sacrifice. And so um, the way that Jesus has, sh has showed us um, this and, and, and impressed this, this concept on our minds is that it's a, it's a memorial. It's just like the, um, the Last Supper. It's a memorial um, and it's, it's dedicated to Jesus. To remember all the things that he has done up until this time. And to remind us of, and we talked about this before, the clean and the unclean. And to reteach us. Because remember Jesus said that he didn't come to abolish the law. But to fulfill it. Every single word. He said he wasn't he was going to take away not even a jot, not even a tittle. That means not even a dot or a line or anything. Okay, And so this is what we're looking at. And so we're going to go to Ezekiel. 41 the, the next the next chapter over Ezekiel 41. We're just going to read lines 1 and 2 Okay lines 1 and 2 in Ezekiel 41 and what it says in Ezekiel 41 It says afterward he brought me to the temple and measured the posts six cubits broad on the one side and six cubits broad on the other side Which was the breadth 
or the or, uh, the width of the tabernacle. The breadth of the door was ten cubits, and the sides of the door were five cubits on the one side, and five cubits on the other side. And he measured the length thereof forty cubits, and the breadth twenty cubits. Okay. Now we're going to go to line six, and, and um, Jesus led us down to line six. And the side chambers were three, one over another, and thirty in order, and they entered into the wall which was of the house, for the side chambers around about that they might have hold, but they had not hold in the wall of the house, okay? So we know when it mentions house, we're talking about the house of God, we're talking about the temple, okay? We go into the church, we call it the house of God. This is the temple, we're looking at the, the temple, okay? And there was an enlarging and a winding about still upward to the side chambers, for the winding about of the house went still upward round about the house. Therefore, the breadth, the breadth of the house was still upward, and so increased from the lowest chamber to the highest by the midst. Okay? So the breadth, I mean, when I said breadth, I said width early, but the breadth, you know, we're looking at the, um, the height. Okay? Um... At, I saw also the height of the house round about the foundations of the side chambers were full a full reed of six great cubits. The thickness of the wall which was for the side chamber without was five cubits and that which was left was the place of the side chambers that were within. And between the chambers was the wideness of twenty cubits round about the house on every side. Okay. And the doors of the side chambers were toward the place that was left. One door toward the north and another door toward the south. And the breadth of the place that was left was five cubits round about. Now the building that was before the separate place at the end toward the west was seven, 70 cubits broad. And the wall of the building was five cubits thick round about. And the length thereof, 90 cubits. Okay, 90 cubits. So he measured the house in 100 cubits long in the separate place. And the building with the walls thereof, 100 cubits long. Also the breadth of the face of the house. And of the separate place toward the east in 100 cubits. So these are other buildings that are around the temple. And he measured the length of the building over against the separate place, which was behind it, and the galleries thereof on the one side and on the other side a hundred cubits, with the inner temple and the porches of the court, the doorposts and the narrow windows and the galleries round about on their three stories over against the door, sealed with wood round about and from the ground up to the windows, and the windows were covered. To that above the door, even unto the inner house, and without, and by all the wall round about within, and without by measure. And it was made with cherubims, okay? So there, there are cherubims, there are angels on the, on these, on the, on the walls, okay? And ch cherubims and palm trees, so that a palm tree was between a cherub and a cherub, and every cherub had two faces, so that the face of a man was toward the palm tree on the one side, and the face of a young lion toward the palm tree on the other side. It was made through all the house round about, from the ground unto the unto above the door were cherubims and palm trees made, and on the the wall of the temple. Okay, the posts of the temple were squared, and the face of the sanctuary, the appearance of the one as the appearance of the other. The altar of wood was three cubits high, and the length thereof two cubits, and the corners thereof, and the length thereof, and the walls thereof were made of were of wood. And he said unto me, This is the table that is before the Lord. Okay, so this is the table that's before God right here. This is this is what we're looking at. Okay, and the temple and the sanctuary had two doors. They had two doors, and the doors had two leaves apiece, two turning leaves, two leaves for the one door, and two leaves for the other door. And they were made on them on the doors of the temple, cherubims and palm trees, like as were made upon the walls. And there were thick planks upon the face of the porch without, 
and there were narrow windows and palm trees on the one side and on the other side, on the sides of the porch and upon the side chambers of the house, and thick planks. Okay. This is this is what we're um, this is what we're looking at. Okay. And so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Um, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go. Um, Jesus led us to Revelation three. We're gonna turn to Revelation three. Hold on a second. <clears throat> We're going to go to Revelation 3. We're going to read um, lines 9 to, through 10. You just led us to Revelation 3. I'm going back a little bit. 9 through 10. Okay. And we read this before. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, Is that I will Revelation make... 3, Daryl? Yeah, Revelation. I'm sorry. Reve yeah, Revelation 3. Okay. Revelation 3, um, 9 through 10. Okay. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Okay? Again, that hour of temptation, again, is the great tribulation. The great tribulation. Okay? Which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Okay? So, again, it's seven years. It's a seven-year the your great tribulation is seven years. Again, how do we know that? We're going to go back to Revelation 11 and read it again. Revelation 11. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. Jesus led us to Revelation 11. Um, and there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. That's on the earth. It's the same temple that we're reading about in Ezekiel. It's the same temple that's being sp spoken about in Revelation 11. Okay. Rise and measure the temple of God. And the altar and them that worship therein or inside. But the court which is without the temple, outside of the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. That, again, that's four years. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. Okay, a thousand three hundred and three score days, that's three years. Four plus three. Seven years, okay? Now we're going to, Jesus led us back to Ezekiel 39, again, to look at the seven years, okay? We read in Ezekiel um, 39 about the um, armies of Gog and Magog, that's Russia and Ukraine, coming to attack Jerusalem. And when he when um, they come to attack in, in Zechariah, we read in Zechariah 14 and Ezekiel uh, 38, it says that Jesus brings great confusion upon them and they start attacking each other. Okay, and, and after that, um, they are destroyed by the um, attacking each other, the pestilences, the fire, the brimstone, the earthquake that Jesus sends upon all of them. Um, we are um, to um, dispose of all of the bodies, okay, and all of the weapons, okay. And so again, we go to Ezekiel um, 39 and we read lines, start at line 6. It says, and I will send a fire on Magog 
and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. That's Gog and Magog, okay? Russia and Ukraine. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen, all the other nations, that's the heathen, shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is come, and it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I have spoken, that's the day of the Lord. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows and the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. So very clearly right there, seven years. So that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forest, for they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil those that spoiled them, and rob those that robbed them, saith the Lord God. So we're literally using those weapons as kindling for fire. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east and of the sea. It shall stop the noses of the passengers, and they shall there shall they bury Gog and all his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of Haman Gog. So all the armies that are with Gog um, and Magog, Russia and Ukraine, um, will be buried there, and it's going to stop the noses of the, the, the dead bodies, the rotting flesh is going to stink. Okay? Um... Uh, okay, and so Jesus led us back because um, now we know that we're looking that we that we see a seven-year great tribulation. Okay, Jesus led us back um, into Ezekiel 43. Okay, we're going to go up this a little bit in Ezekiel 43, and we're going to read a little bit more about this temple that um, we are supposed to enter into for for those seven those seven years. Okay. So, um, Ezekiel 43, 1-9, we're going to read it. Afterward he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like the noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell upon my face. And so that vision was the exact same thing that, um, that John seen in the first um, chapter of Revelation. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house, and I heard him speaking unto me out of the house, and the man stood by me. So Jesus started to speak to Ezekiel out of the temple, okay? So the, And the angel stood by him, and he said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever, in my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile. Neither they nor their kings by their whoredom nor by the carcasses of their kings in their high places. Okay? In their setting of their threshold by my thresholds and their post by my post and the wall between me and them, they, ha they have even defiled my holy name by their abominations that they have committed, wherefore I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put away their whoredom and the carcasses of their kings far from me, and I will dwell in the midst of them forever. Okay? 
forever. Just like how we read in the end of Revelation 7, okay? He said he will dwell among us. He will dwell among them, okay? And this is the, the, the part that he's talking about before them about um, no more putting your threshold by my threshold. That's the, the pride of the idolatry and all the things that we did before. And it's the, the very reason why we're taking into slavery. Okay, and so um, Jesus led us just one um, chapter over to Ezekiel 44. And we're gonna, only going to read lines 14 through 28. Okay. This is the um, going further into um, some of the sacrifices and some of the, um, the, the some of the things from the old laws being done as a um, as a um, remembrance and a, um, a celebration of who um, Jesus is. Okay, starting in line fourteen in Ezekiel forty-four, but I will make them keepers of the charge of the house for all the service thereof and for all that shall be done therein. But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok that kept the charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister unto me, and they shall stand before me to offer unto me the fat and the blood, saith the Lord God. So it's a memorial. They shall enter into my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister unto me, and they shall keep my charge. And it shall come to pass that when they enter in at the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments, and no wool shall come upon them whilst they minister in the gates of the inner court and within. They shall have linen bonnets upon their heads, and they shall have linen breeches upon their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything that causeth sweat. And when they go forth into the utter court, even into the utter court to the people, they shall put off their garments wherein they ministered and lay them in the holy chambers. And they shall put on other garments and they shall not sanctify the people with their garments. Neither shall they shave their heads nor suffer their locks to grow long. They shall only pull their heads so they're going to um, cut it. You know, just like how it talks about in the New Testament. Um, that we aren't supposed to have it grow long. Are not supposed to have it be extremely short. Okay, they are not. We're not supposed to shave our heads, nor um, let them grow long. We're supposed to cut it um, and have it um, decent. We're supposed to have our hair decent. Okay, that's what that's what Jesus says that He wants. Okay, neither shall any priest drink wine when they enter into the inner court. Neither shall they take for their wives a widow nor her that is put away. But they shall take maidens of the seed of the house of Israel, or a widow that had a priest before. And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. And in controversy they shall stand in judgment, and they shall judge it according to my judgment. And they shall keep my laws and my statutes in all mine assemblies, and they shall hallow my Sabbaths. Okay? And they shall come at no dead person to defile, them, defile themselves, but for father or for mother or for son or for daughter, for brother or for sister that have no husband. They may defile themselves, okay? And after he is cleansed, they shall reckon unto him seven days. Okay? Seven days. And in the day that he goeth into the sanctuary unto the inner court, to minister in the sanctuary, he shall offer his sin offering, saith the Lord God. And it shall be unto them for an inheritance. I am their inheritance, and ye shall give them no possession in Israel. I am their possession. Okay? 
So it, it's going back um, to a similar. Um, all right, we're going to go ahead and finish out. We're going to go back. Jesus led us back to Zechariah 14. Okay, so we're going to go back to Zechariah 14. Just for a quick second here. I'm going to take a look at Zechariah 14. And we're just going to look at line 16. Okay, and we're going to look at, um, again, about this memorial of some of these uh, feast days and some of the different things of the law that Jesus again said. He, he said he didn't come to abolish it, he came to fulfill it. Okay, and, and, and here we have... Um, more of the proof of course it's all throughout the new testament it says in line 16 of zechariah 14 it says and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against jerusalem just like how we read in, in, in ezekiel um, 38 and 39 shall even go up from year to year to worship the king the lord of hosts and to keep the feast of tabernacles okay but we're gonna go Jesus led us back to Ezekiel 45. We're going to look at Ezekiel 45. Okay. A lot of people talking about the law being um, done away with. Jesus said himself. He said he did not come to abolish it, but he came to fulfill it. Okay. We're going to look at Ezekiel 45, line 17. Okay. And it shall be the prince's part to give burnt offerings and meat offerings and drink offerings in the feast and in the new moons, and in the Sabbaths, in all solemnities of the house of Israel, he shall prepare the sin offering, and the meat offering, and the burnt offering, and the peace offerings to make reconciliation for the house of Israel. Okay? Now it said in all solemnities, okay? A solemn feast, okay, if you go back to the Old Testament, the solemn feast were the feast days, okay? One of those is the Feast of Tabernacles, just like how we read in um, Zechariah 14, line 16, okay? And um, Jesus hasn't revealed this to me yet, so it's kind of up in the air for me, but I think that that prince is Jesus himself, okay? Remember it said in, in the New Testament that Jesus would be like a prince, uh, a, pri a prince and a priestly king. Okay, um, so the next scripture that Jesus let us do was Ezekiel 48, just um, over a page. And we're going to read Ezekiel 48, 29 through 35, okay, to get um, an overview of the last um, bit of that temple and um, what it is for. Of course, that memorial, um, but we're going to read, okay, so we're going to start at line 29. This is the land which ye shall divide by lot unto the tribes of Israel for inheritance, and these are their portions, saith the Lord God. And these are the goings out of the city on the north side, 4,500 measures. And the gates of the city shall be after the names of the tribes of Israel. Three gates northward, one gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, one gate of Levi. And at the east side, 4,503 gates and one gate of Joseph, one gate of Benjamin, one gate of Dan, and at the south side, 4,500 measures, and three gates, one gate of Simeon, one gate of Issachar, and one gate of Zebulun. At the west side, 4,500 with their three gates, 
one gate of Gad, one gate of Asher, one gate of Naphtali. It was round about 18,000 measures and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Hallelujah. Remember in Revelation 7 it says that he will dwell among us. Okay, Revelation 11 says, Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. That's Revelation 7, line 15. Okay, and it says here at the end um, of, of Ezekiel, it says the, the name of the city shall be the Lord is there. Okay, so I'm going to show, I'm going to share with you guys. It's a short video. Um, somebody um, did, it's a, it's a YouTube channel that did a, um, a, a 3D recreation of Ezekiel's temple. So we can get a visual example of what it looked like. He did it, he did it um, by looking at some of the scriptures that we read it, uh, that we read at, um, about in um, in Ezekiel uh, 40. Um, okay. Arius, go head back in there. We're not doing nothing right now. Go head back in there and go play. Please. Give me one second while I pull it up here. I'll pull it up. Tell me if you guys can see it in here once it pops up. Can you guys see that? Yes, I can see it. We All right. can see it here. Okay, let me know if you Since can hear it. September 15th, when the five red heifers arrived in Israel, many people have yeah. started discussing the possibility yeah. of building okay. the third temple. I also made a video about the Temple Institute and their preparations for the future temple. I will leave a link in the description if you want to check it out. However, it seems there is much confusion about the future temple and many people still don't know what to think about the building of the new temple. In the Bible, there is a description of the temple that was never built, actually there are nine whole chapters in the book of Ezekiel that describe in great detail the temple which is often described as the Millennial Temple. I started researching the structure and decided that it will be helpful to have a 3D model that will illustrate what we are talking about when discussing the Millennial Temple. And let me tell you, the temple that Ezekiel describes is nothing like we have ever seen in Israel's history. It is definitely not the temple that the Temple Institute plans to build. In this episode, I will try to illustrate this incredible structure using the dimensions and descriptions we can find in the book of Ezekiel. But before we will do that, let me encourage you to like the video, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. This helps me a lot. And I really appreciate your help in this matter. With that out of the way, let's begin our presentation. So, the first thing I would like to mention is that there are many interpretations of the meaning of the Ezekiel Temple. Some people say it will be built, while others think it is just a symbol. Temple Mount of the city of Jerusalem, and he enters through the east gate, 
and he establishes himself on the throne in the temple of Jerusalem that has yet to be built. As one writer puts it, the vision of the temple was in fact a kind of incarnation of all that God stood for. Phrased. Um, it, it is not a future temple. All nine of these final chapters of the book encompass one vision that God gave to Ezekiel concerning the temple. Christians are especially troubled because this temple describes animal sacrifices. This does not fit well with the theology that Jesus was the final atonement for sin. If the death of Jesus was the fulfillment of the sacrificial system, why do the prophets anticipate sacrifices when the third temple is built? Some Christians have explained why there are animal sacrifices in the temple after the death of Christ. One of the reasons given is that the sacrifices have a remembrance nature and they look back at the work of Christ, just as the sacrifices in the Torah look toward the work of Christ. Another explanation says that the millennium is not the eternal state of the New Jerusalem, where there will be no sin. In the millennium, the world is still the same world we know, just with a righteous ruler who will reign on the throne of David for a thousand years. It will definitely be a better place where there will be no wars, but people will still be able to sin. And because the world will not be perfect, the temple, the altar, the priests, and the instruments will have to be purified through animal sacrifice. If you ask me what do I think, I must say that by studying those nine chapters of Ezekiel and seeing all the details and measurements, it is really difficult to believe that this is just some kind of symbol of a future reality. Remember, Ezekiel devoted more than one-sixth of his writing to the description of the Millennial Temple, the details of its worship, and the operation of its priests so that when it is eventually erected, its functions will be carried out as he has directed. And the simple fact that I was able to create a 3D model of this temple is thanks to Ezekiel's great attention to detail. So, in this episode, we will look at this temple, of which Ezekiel writes in the Tanakh. But before we start, let me throw in this question. What do the Jews think of the future temple? Well, as I mentioned, there is the Temple Institute that is actively preparing for building the new temple. For almost two millennia, there has been no temple in Jerusalem. The Jews have attended synagogue services around the world to pray, to read the scriptures, and perform various ceremonies. Yet, deep in their hearts, they have a longing for another temple to be built in Jerusalem. The problem is that as far as I know, they do not plan to build the new temple according to the measurements visible in the book of Ezekiel. Instead, the Temple Institute plans to build temples similar in nature to Solomon's and Herod's temple. And although it may be offensive to Jewish people who seek the rebuilding of the temple, many Christians see this next third temple as the Antichrist temple. 
If you do not know what I'm talking about, let me quickly explain. If you interpret such books as Zechariah, Daniel, Ezekiel, and the book of Revelation literally, then you conclude that at the end of times, there will be a third temple built. But this new temple will be used by the agent of Satan himself, who will call himself God and require worship of him in the third temple. The times of this period are known to Christians as the Great Tribulation. Now, it is a very complex topic, and I don't want to get into it right now. By the way, similar events already happened in the past when the Jewish people were under the rule of the Greeks. It was then that the Greek ruler Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the temple by sacrificing pigs in the sanctuary and forcing Jews to worship the statue of Zeus in the temple. Many Christians believe Epiphanes was just a picture of what will happen in the end times. But what I have to say is that the Jewish people certainly do not see the future temple as part of the events I just described. The Jewish people see the building of the new temple as something very positive. And I also know Christians that support this project. What must be said, however, is that the temple being prepared by the Temple Institute is not the millennial temple described by Ezekiel. It is not the same temple because if we follow the text, we will notice dramatic supernatural changes that will occur with the appearance of the millennial temple. First of all, the current temple mount would not be big enough to fit the millennial temple complex. Although the temple is 500 square cubits, about 875 feet long and wide, the territory to kept holy is 5,100 feet long and wide. I doubt this will be just a space of 5,100 feet. More likely, there will be a city where people will live. You can imagine how beautiful it will be considering that the Mashiach will rule in this new city around the temple. Here you can see a 3D model of the modern Jerusalem. The temple itself could fit the Temple Mount if we take the measurement of 500 square cubits. After all, the Mishnah claims that Solomon's temple complex was also 500 square cubits. See my video on the evidence of Solomon's temple on the Temple Mount to learn more. I am putting a link in the description. So, the temple proper could fit the Temple Mount, but the whole holy territory of which Ezekiel writes about would certainly not fit on that mountain. Ezekiel, in his record of the events, writes that he was taken to a very high mountain on whose south side were some buildings that looked like a city. In chapter 42, verses 15 to 20, we read that the area around the temple to be kept holy is 500 square reeds. According to Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 5, 
The reed was six cubits long. Five hundred reeds, therefore, the measure of each side of the square, was three thousand cubits, or about five hundred, one hundred feet, that is, a mile long. Of course, such a space, quite as large as was ever enclosed by the walls of ancient Jerusalem, would have been impassable upon the hill of Moria, and various efforts have been made by some of the commentators to reduce the size, but the use of reed as a unit of measurement is decisive. Those measurements will require the creation of a new mountain that would fit this new temple complex. The prophet Zechariah foretells that the whole Mount of Olives will divide when the Messiah steps on the Mount of Olives. According to Ezekiel, the Millennial Temple will serve the Messiah, so geographical miracles such as the creation of a new mountain can be imagined. Additionally, a unique feature of the Millennial Temple will be the river flowing from under its threshold toward the east. The waters will divide with one half going toward the Dead Sea and the other half toward the Mediterranean Sea. We Alright, that's where we're going to stop at. And we're going to finish out. Did y'all see that? The whole thing? Yes. Okay. Alright, so we're going to go. Jesus led us back to Revelation 11. We're going to finish Revelation 11. And we're going to start at line 9 and go through line 19. Okay, we read us in the last sermon about the, um, the rapture. Okay. And it says, And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies, which are two witnesses, three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, to them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven, saying unto them, Come up hither, and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud. And their enemies beheld them. In the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men. Seven thousand and the remnant were affrighted, and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is passed, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, hallelujah, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come in the time of the dead, that they should be judged. And that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and should have destroyed them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, 
and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail and so when it, when it talks about the temple in heaven it says the temple in heaven and so all the kingdoms have been given over to god it's, it's beginning okay and so the things that happen after that it's just it's just um, a, a small amount of time okay that all these 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 forces of darkness these forces of satan have until they are just swallowed up by, by jesus himself okay and so we're going to um just go up this a little bit and we're going to go into revelation 13 jesus led us to revelation 13 we're going to go um back to revelation 12 in the next sermon where, where um, jesus led us to revelation 13 and i stood upon the sand of the sea and i saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So he's speaking great things against God. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If, if any man, okay, have an ear, let him hear, okay? He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity, okay? He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he make a fire come down from heaven on the earth in sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Get the closed door. And had he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused of all, both small and great, rich and poor, freedom bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that have understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. His number is six hundred three score and six. Okay, that's six, six, six. And we talked about that. We were reading. We were, we were um, doing the sermons about the um, Antichrist beast system. when Jesus led us to talk about cryptocurrency. And um, just recently, um, Elon Musk just talked about um, he was... Um, he has some type of implant that he's planting inside of his head. And so this, this whole Antichrist beast system thing is rolling itself out. And so when you read Revelation 11, and you see right after Revelation 11, when the church, when the body, when the multitude, when God's people are taken away from the earth, 
the Antichrist is immediately allowed to come. The beast is immediately allowed, allowed to come and to, to, to unleash these things on the earth because the, the, the protection is gone. He even can speak great things because he knows that if we were on we the earth care. during that time, we would yeah. be speaking terribly against these things. Hallelujah. So does anybody, does anybody um, have anything they want to share? Anything they want to, um, any reflections um, on anything that was said, anything that was read, anything that you got out of it, anything? What we read? I just want to say it's really interesting to see that um, saying that 3D um, builds of the um, temple. Yeah. It's kind of, I don't know for anybody else, but for me, um, it helps to see it, not just to hear it. Yeah, exactly. It helped me a lot. It helped me a whole lot too. I agree. Yeah. Helped me a lot to understand that more because it's one thing to read it, but then it's one thing to actually see it to, to you know, like you said, yeah. understand it way more. It makes it way much, way more clear. Yeah. Anybody else got anything? Any any um <laughs> any reflections? Any takeaways? Ms. Rose, you got anything? Any takeaways? Any 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 anything that stood out to you? No, not really. Um, not really. Okay. All right. So, um, and then in the next sermon, on um, part five, we're gonna go into into that Revelation thirteen more and look at the Book of Daniel. It talks about um, this beast and, and, and goes into a little bit more detail about um, who the beast is and what the beast does and, and, and what he looks like. And, you know, again, you know, when that um, when when we are raptured up, um, most likely from Jerusalem, then the Antichrist is able to do all these things. The beast is able to do all of these things and to uh, speak great things against um, against god and against his saints so it's just it's a very interesting um when you look at it when that final trumpet is blown it symbolizes so much and so um when you look at it in the order of things um this way the way that jesus led us um he's brought so much clarity to us and i hope he's brought so much clarity to you guys too um as we're reading this so um thank you guys for fellowshipping with us thank you guys for being faithful and we'll see you guys on the next one blessings we love you guys blessings of jesus enjoy the rest well, of your shabbat you we love you all, right. all right love y'all love y'all all right love y'all